0: Welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we are going to be continuing our most creative playmaker series in both hockey and football. But before then, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the upcoming World Juniors that includes one of Winnipeg's best prospects in Cole Perfetti, as well as some thoughts on Winnipeg's potential return to play in the 2021 season and what I expect from this team going forward. Let's first start with Perfetti, though, who I think is a name a lot of people are expecting to be an absolute standout when he finally hits the NHL, whether it be this season or the following season. Whatever it is, I think his timeline is. Maybe a year away if it's not this season But my impression is that he's going to be given every chance to make this lineup Especially coming out of preseason and training camp Early impressions from the world junior camp show that Perfetti was obviously a little bit uh, well, Some would describe him as invisible But I think it's a lot to do with him just trying to get back up to game speed And sort of matching the pace of what you would expect From somebody who just took like six to seven months off of actual in-game action And has only been able to train in the off-season, Essentially isolated away from everyone else Since a bit of a rough few scrimmages and opening uh, training sessions, he's since gotten back up to speed, and from what I hear, everyone has been saying that he's looked great. His coach actually had quite a bit to say and and noted that he was probably one of the most improved players in terms of where he started out during the first couple of training sessions and where he is now getting himself back up to game speed. I don't think that this should really surprise anyone. Obviously, if you've taken several months off of of regular in-season action, it's going to be pretty rough getting back up to speed. But what I think is most important is that from anyone who's actually gotten to watch him, Perfetti has actually looked notably faster. And it's not just in his skating stride, his decision making seems a little bit snappier, his vision seems a little bit faster, everything that he's able to do just comes off a little bit quicker than when he was doing it for his junior team in Saginaw. Obviously, I don't expect a whole lot from him in this upcoming World Juniors if this tournament even happens. Honestly, there's a lot going on in the background of this this whole series. There was a mess today with a couple of planes being used to transport the entire team and no way to really do the whole social distancing thing that you're expected to do, which is kind of crazy, but... You know, that's another topic for a different day. We've talked a lot about COVID's impact on hockey. If these teams and organizations don't get it, then there's not a whole lot to be said. But the teams themselves seem to be pretty upset. So it really comes down to the the organizers of the tournament that have, you know, Have to be kinda held accountable for all of this mess. As far as Perfetti goes though, I think he's gonna have a really nice tournament if it happens. I think he's gonna be a standout for Canada. He'll be in the top six easily. And on a pretty darn good team Canada, that speaks volumes about the sort of talent that he has. His vision, his distribution, his release, his positioning, all of his elements of his game are going to, you know, express themselves in ways that maybe seem a little bit subtle, but I think the more he gets involved in the play and the more he's allowed to handle the puck, I think people are going to be really excited about what he brings. That kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about in terms of next season, which is what do we really expect from the Jets? And I think having expectations to begin with is going to be a bit of a mistake. I think Winnipeg is going to be a very rough-hewn team, which is not surprising. We know that the defense is still kind of a situation in progress. Uh, As far as goaltending is concerned, that's probably the only thing that I have locked down. The rest of the lineup is going to be a bit up in the air, but what I do expect is that Perfetti will have a chance to make the team in the bottom six. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts off somewhere getting in like fourth line minutes or fourth line duties before slowly working his way up into the top nine. 25 to 30 games in, if he sticks throughout the whole season, I could see him start to push for like a more middle six rotation. I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for him to get a great feel in 56 games because obviously a shortened NHL season is tough on any player really, you know, veteran or otherwise, and you're talking about a rookie who really hasn't had a whole lot of in-game time since, you know, essentially what will be the World Junior Camps. The rest of the Jets are going to have to make do with what they've got, and Paul Stastny should obviously help a lot with the top six and down the middle, but Stastny is obviously getting older and slowing down, so I don't know if he's going to be as big of a difference maker. I think in this situation, what you're going to see from him is, by just having him, it's going to be a marked improvement. Even if he's not at his best you know, a 50 to 60 or even 70% Stastny is probably leagues above what we had last season running Cody Eakin there. It was already addition by subtraction by letting Eakin walk to free agency, and now we're getting somebody who is a bona fide top 9 playmaker and, you know, at his best, a top 6 center in, in Paul Stastny, so... You know, I, I'm happy to see him back. I hope that he's able to get Line going again. I think Patrick's game has developed a lot, and I think Liney just needs somebody who can actually support him and kind of feed him on the power play, too. I think the biggest question this season is what exactly is going to happen with Patrick Liney. You know, obviously, I expect him to score plenty of goals. I think he's going to be a very good two-way winger. He's already developed increasingly astute playmaking and, and even defensive skills. While his on-ice impact is still a little bit in the net negative just because he does surrender a lot of opportunities when he's on the ice compared to some of his teammates, I still think that compared to a guy like Kyle Connor, Laine is obviously a more positive influence on even-strength play. Connor may have amazingly gifted goal-scoring hands, but like we've discussed on this podcast before, it's the rest of his game that tends to suffer. Laine is slowly working himself out of some of those poorer habits and, and lesser abilities, and he's actually compensated quite well, especially given the, the situations that he's been put in. I think this season what we're going to see with him is increased growth. I hope that he gets more ice time. Last year he started to trail off towards the end of the season where he went from getting you know top six minutes to more like really high-end third-line minutes, which for me is not acceptable. If Maurice wants to keep his job, he needs to actually give Line A the kind of deployments and, and frankly, the teammates that he deserves. Maurice's job is to understand his players and get the most out of them, and thus far, he still hasn't done that since the 2017-2018 season. It's why he continues to be something of a mediocre coach for me. I I wish Maurice was a little bit less hesitant and just understood that sometimes you have to take a little bit more risk and go forward. I think his biggest complaint that I have with him is that he's too conservative. He really wants to sit back, sit deep, and hit him on counters, but this team likely won't have a a roster that's really suited to that sort of play next season and probably even beyond Then I think you just need to cut the Jets forwards loose, ask them to occasionally back check, but for the most part you want them to cheat a little bit higher, look for more breakouts, and try and generate more even strength opportunities. My thought here is that the best way to shield a really bad defense is to just outcreate in terms of offensive opportunities. Yes, the Jets will concede plenty of chances against, but I think if they can try and outscore their opponents, that's going to be the recipe for success. Let Connor Hellebuck do his thing, hope the defense can hold, and if you survive for 56 games and make it to the postseason and actually make some noise, I think that's going to be considered a successful season. I don't think the Jets will make it far in the playoffs, but this is going to be a very strange season and we really don't know what's going to happen, especially against what should be all canadian opponents so here's to hoping winnipeg can make some magic happen speaking of making magic happen in just a little bit we'll take a look at some of the top playmakers in the nhl and in world football but before then i wanted to talk to you about breaking down your daily walls when you wake up every morning you probably have a whole list of chores and obstacles keeping you from being the most productive you that you can be you might be wondering to yourself how you get that jump start to the day and the energy to break down those walls When I'm facing those same questions, I turn to Built Go. Built Go is the all-natural, healthy, and great-tasting replacement for those sugary energy drinks you probably pound every morning. It comes in convenient 1.5-ounce packages that are ready whenever you are, whether you're on your way to work or heading to the golf course. Built Go comes in three delicious flavors, including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. It's fortified with collagen, protein, beta-alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, B6, and B12, so it's perfect for pre-workout supplements and an office pick-me-up alike. It gives you all of the kick of a 5-hour energy with none of the crash. Getting started with Bilko is super easy. Just visit bilko.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, don't forget, when you're checking out, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at bilko.com. Let's go! Welcome back to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about some of the most creative playmakers, which we will be continuing throughout the rest of this week. We're going to have a couple of episodes talking about a couple of different teams. On tonight's episode, I did want to focus on on one in particular that I thought would be a good pick, and I am, of course, talking about the Montreal Canadiens, which, yes, we all love to hate the Habs, they're a very annoying team, and for some reason, Winnipeg just seems to face this squad and really struggle. It's very strange to see Montreal's roster give the Jets so many fits, but I think it a lot of it comes down to the way that Montreal tends to play. They have a very scrappy, fast counter, high press that often gives the Jets a lot of a lot of trouble, mostly just because the, the Jets can't really move the puck out of their own end. When you have a pacey, aggressive counter that Montreal loves to favor, it tends to put the Jets in a bad spot. Not because Montreal has a lot of elite goal scorers, they really don't, but what they do have is a pesky one-on-one press that often gives the Jets a ton of trouble. They can swarm the puck very quickly, they're not afraid to hound the puck carrier, and they can strip the puck and force turnovers in inconvenient places, mostly because Winnipeg just doesn't have the foot speed to cope with it. While Montreal may not have the world's most elite goal scorers, what they do have is a very interesting mixture of guys who would be elite playmakers on almost any other squad. I think what's interesting to note is how they tend to select these guys, and one of the top playmakers on their team is of course Brendan Gallagher. Brendan is one of those guys who just seems to do just about everything really well. He's not exactly like the world's most elite goal scorer, but when it comes to creating 5v5 offense with his spatial awareness, his passing, his vision, and his positioning inside the offensive zone, he's frankly an elite playmaker. He has never put up like absolutely insane goal totals or point totals, but that doesn't mean he wouldn't on another team. I think what really sets him apart from some of his teammates is his ability to find really soft areas and either get the puck to those areas to his teammates or take the shot himself. He has what everyone's looking for in terms of that so-called elite hockey sense, which for me is just his ability to make really good decisions under pressure and find those opportunities where maybe people aren't really looking. He's also not afraid to dive into really tight spaces and make a little bit of a mess, especially in front of the net, and I think that's something that's very special when it comes to playmakers because you want guys who can do a couple of different things. If you have a playmaker who's not afraid to get physical and grind down on the corners, I think it just adds another element to a game where, you know, an opposing defender has to read you multiple different ways and try and predict which way you're going to go. If you can essentially work around the net or work from distance, it just makes it so much harder to try and figure out the best way to defend you. Gallagher is that guy, and even though he's not exactly recognized by everyone in the league as one of the top playmakers out there, he really is in that upper echelon of wings. He's a ridiculously gifted skater, and if somebody was able to recognize his talent and ended up moving him out of Montreal to a team with higher-end goal-scoring talent, like, say, the Jets, I think he'd be, you know, a hugely successful addition and one of the top playmakers on the team. Montreal's got plenty of other guys like this though and I think another one that tends to go under the radar is Arturi Lekkonen. Lekkonen is not exactly a player that I would say puts himself out there in terms of being like a really high-end goal scorer or a points driver. What he instead brings is a really relentless drive to get offense towards the net however it works out. He loves driving towards the net with really good edge work and a bit of an aggressive inside cut which can create a lot of chaos. He's not somebody who's going to score a ton of goals. In fact, he's one of those players who I always feel is super snake bitten because he's always in the right positions, and he seems to get into the soft areas where defenders really can't cover him, but it just doesn't seem to come off for him as much. It's crazy to think that for as skilled as Lekkinen is, he's only ever, you know, topped 30 points once in the last four years, which is pretty crazy. He's got great stick handling. I think his vision is fine. The edge work is there. The positioning is great. It just seems like there's something missing from his game That keeps him from being like an elite, elite playmaker, but puts him in the very good category even still. When he's on the ice, Montreal tends to do much better in terms of creating attacking routes towards the net. It's just finishing those opportunities often, and, and Art Leckinen having like a direct impact on the play that I think is is maybe not quite there where he wanted it to be or where he's, he's looking to have his game at. The final guy we're going to talk about though definitely doesn't have an issue creating plays and finishing them off, and that is of course Shea Weber. A couple of years ago, that would have been crazy to consider because, of course, Weber was traded for P.K. Subban, but it turns out that Weber has ended up being the best player of the two. Subban's career has declined to the point where I'm not even sure he's considered a top 4 D-man. He has definitely slowed down. I couldn't tell you if it's age or something else that is kind of keeping him back from being what he used to be, but it's funny because Shea has actually been the player to outlast him in terms of on-ice performance. When Weber's at his best, whether it's dominating with his physicality, especially around the corners, or you know hitting one of those pucks really hard from distance and slapping it into the back of the net, he just seems to be a really controlling, intimidating offensive force. And he's also very good at finding passing routes to the net, looking for tips and deflections with hard shots from the point, and generally being an absolute nuisance from all zones of the ice. In his own defensive zone, he tends to smack and bully guys around, and in the offensive zone, he's got a lethal shot and great vision that allows him to find perfect offensive opportunities, either for himself or his line mates. Weber is a really complete threat, and you can use him either at even strength or on the power play. He's oddly enough a player who aged just doesn't seem to have slowed him down as much as everyone was expecting. He's outlasted Subban by a fair mile and it's not likely that he's going to be too much worse over the next couple of seasons. He is going to at some point hit a bit of a wall and I think the decline has to be coming in the near future, but I don't know, Weber just seems to be a guy who has for the most part defied father time. If he can stay healthy, you know, that's a big question at this point, but if he stays healthy you know, Montreal's back end is looking okay. It's not great, but Weber is a huge piece of that team's offense and you know, it's interesting to see him not really face the same sorts of age declines that we're used to seeing with a lot of players hitting their early to mid 30s and eventually late 30s. He seems to be doing pretty well, and it's thus far paid off really big for the, the haves. I think that they're very happy with that trade. Subban has fallen off a cliff while Weber continues to chug on. Speaking of guys like Shea Weber, up next we'll take a look at the world of football and maybe some older playmakers who are at the age where you'd expect them to start to decline, but, but maybe age really is just a number sometimes. Before we start talking about retirement homes, though, I did want to tell you about the recent relaunch of Bilt Bar. And if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that I'm personally a big fan of built bars, there are protein bars that are more like candy bars with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend Raspberry and Mint Brownie as two of my personal favorites, but if you can't decide from the delicious list that you find online, be sure to just order the variety box so you have ample opportunities to find your favorite flavor. Like any great company though, Built isn't content to rest on its laurels and is back and better than ever with a brand new and improved Bilt Bar lineup including six new flavors like Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake and Apple Almond Crisp. As good as these flavors taste, they're even better for you, with most Built Bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less, between 15 to 19 grams of protein, and between 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order, go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, when checking out, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at builtbar.com. Welcome back to this closing segment of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our most creative playmaker series. And if you have any personal favorites that you want me to cover on the next episode or beyond, be sure to hit me up at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, and I'll try to review them on upcoming episodes. For tonight, though, we're going to take a look at two playmakers in particular in football who are a little bit on the older side, but who I think for some reason continue to excel beyond their years. And of course, one of them has to be Lionel Messi. Messi is a guy who just seems to, barring injury history, continue to carry the load of Barcelona's offense. His astoundingly good vision, his spatial awareness, his absolutely unbelievable dribbling, incredibly gifted footwork, his deception, all of these elements allow him to create offense out of almost nothing. It's really amazing because Barcelona is, at this point, not particularly good. The fact that Messi, at his age, which is, I believe, 34, is still creating about half of uh, Barcelona's expected goals in offense, it's just tremendous. Without Messi, I think Barcelona would be further down the table and certainly unable to create much threat on a consistent basis. He basically is the only reason that they're even in the contention for like a top four spot because Barca at this point, they're just a shell of themselves and they continue to make bad investments and poor trades that really haven't paid off. It's to the point where Messi was actually on the verge of leaving and if he did, that team would be completely devastated and without clear leadership and direction in the offensive third. Messi is their lead point man and somebody who is their main creator, and without him, there's just not much going on with Barca. Even though he is on the older side and he is definitely slowing down, he's still able to create so much, and you know, even with the the limitations on his physical stature and, and whatnot, he's one of the guys who just has that gifted vision and boot to create outstanding offensive runs and moments that nobody else in the world can even attempt. He's so gifted and he's so technical that there's just, there's never going to be anyone else like him, and it's truly a testament to just how good he is that he's already talked about as perhaps the greatest ever footballer of all time. We've been privileged to be alive to see him, and when he finally does retire in the next couple of seasons, it's going to be a huge loss for the sport. This is a guy that, even at his age, Manchester City was rumored to be willing to pay around $300 for him, which is absolutely insane. When it comes to true offensive catalysts, though, there's almost no one better at doing it than Messi. On a related note of older playmakers, a guy who I think doesn't really get a whole lot of attention but continues to be pretty good for Wolverhampton Wanderers is Joel Moutinho. Moutinho came out from, a, I believe it was either sporting or another team in the Portuguese League when they had a serious issue in a dispute over uh, wages and some issue with the fans. Mutinho ended his contract and came over to Wolves and was immediately a huge difference maker. And what's kind of interesting about him is that he's a very savvy playmaker, even though he's not super fast and he has certain physical limitations. He's a smaller guy, but what doesn't really seem to hold him back is, is the fact that he's got all of these tools and skill sets that allow him to hit deep balls, find really good passing routes, and create very dangerous shooting opportunities with, you know, deft little touches around the outside of the box, inside the box, and spaces along the flanks. He's very comfortable kind of moving around uh, anywhere in sort of the forward attacking third, but he can also drop deeper and form a little bit of a more defensive midfield with somebody like Ruben Neves or Leander Dindonker. While he's maybe not as fleet of foot as some of the younger midfielders, Moutinho is a very crafty, smart veteran who makes the right passes, understands when he needs to make a tactical foul, and is still at his age uh, a bit of a set-piece master. He's not quite as good as Messi, but of course no one is. You know, Messi stands on a class of his own. With Moutinho, though, what you're getting is somebody who's a very cagey veteran, who understands how to play football at a fundamental level, and who has a very high playmaking IQ paired with really fast decision making, so the game hasn't slowed down for him as much as his body may have. He's certainly a legend of the Portuguese national team, even if his name isn't quite commonplace in most households, but he truly is a behind-the-scenes maestro. If you know of any savvier older players who continue to find ways to be important, guys like Toby Enstrom and João Al be sure to let me know in the comments at Loco on Twitter or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, also on Twitter. We are going to wrap up tonight's episode, though, with an announcement about next week. We are going to be continuing our Most Creative playmaker series, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Also, every Monday, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato for all the best news and updates from around the league. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!